This is Deep North, and I'm Steve Ray. I grew up in Minnesota, then left, toured the U.S., backpacked through Europe, and sailed across the Atlantic. While traveling, it appeared that the Minnesota I knew was much different from the one known by the rest of the world. Um, is it in between Montana and um, Wisconsin? Is it there? What's... Oh, shit. Okay. This is a show about the nature and culture of MSP, dispelling the myths of Minnesota nice for the urbane side of the cities that the world, country, and even some Minnesotans haven't experienced. People have been asking me, why are you doing this? Why create this show? Hey y'all, I'm Alex, and I'm from Austin, Texas. <laughs> Wait, there's one more story I want to tell. After living in Texas for a few years, my partner Alex and I decided to escape for the summer and head north. There was a point where we were getting ready to move up here, and I was like, oh my gosh, what are we doing? Why am I going up to Minnesota? I know nothing about it. I have no friends up there, no family. And the idea I pictured in my head of Minnesota was just this kind of cold, dark corner of the U.S. that I just didn't know anything about. And I didn't have much of any expectations either. All I'd ever been hearing for the last couple of years was that Minnesota was a place for cows, cold, and Camp Snoopy. Cities fascinate me, so it's what I write about, it's what I talk about, it's what I consult about. Jay Walgisper writes about urban planning and community development for publications like National Geographic Traveler and Utney Reader. In 2013, he published a report titled 27 Bright Ideas MSP Should Steal from the Rest of the World. There's a gap in between people's perception of Minneapolis and St. Paul and what it really is. Yeah. It, is that Minnesotans' fault? Uh, to some extent, yes. We do a really dismal job of, of projecting to people elsewhere just what's possible here. And so, therefore, frankly, we don't exist in a lot of people's imaginations. They don't necessarily have a negative uh, view of the place, but they don't really have any view of the place. And so I think in the end, you know, that hurts us. We can't just rest on our laurels and say, you know, we like it here and it doesn't really matter whether anyone else knows. What, you know, and this is the 21st century. This is the, you know, the age of social media, the age of the brand called you. And we have to kind of make some noise, you know, and do it in our own characteristic way. It's snow! Christmas! It's October. <laughs> There's this whole different vibe to it, this energy about the cities that I never felt. Even living in really cool cities like Austin or when I lived in L.A., like, those were exciting cities. Everyone talks about it, you know? Oh, you're in Austin. That's the coolest city right now. I mean, yeah, it is, but there's something up here that is even more magical. I think we could learn some really good lessons from Austin, though, and it's not about, you know, um, malignant growth. It's about um, Austin does a really good job of telling its own story. That they, they can kind of mythologize anything there. I mean, all these bats that fly out from under a bridge. Now, yeah, you got tourists from the suburbs of, you know, Cleveland, I want, we want to see the bats. You know, probably if they saw, had bats in their own neighborhood, they'd, you know, they'd run screaming and back to their car. 
You know, so I mean, they do a great job of just identifying what's unique about that place and then just kind of promoting the heck out of it. You know, just we really need to look on, you know, who we are and, uh, you know, and just, you know, we don't have to change that much. Let's just simply trumpet what we have and do the things we do well better. It has been nearly a year and Alex and I are still here. We've actually enjoyed winter and aren't planning on leaving. When we try to explain what keeps us here, it seems that we always come up short. Alex's mother still thinks we live in Indianapolis, and her father was shocked to learn that the Mississippi flows between Minneapolis and St. Paul. Well, first of all, my mom doesn't actually know where I live still, I think. She's always like, oh, how's, how's Milwaukee? How's Minneapolis? Or, oh, you're in Indianapolis? I'm like, mom, I'm in Minneapolis. <laughs> You know, my stepmom always jokes. She's like, oh, yeah, Alex, she moved up to the tundra. <laughs> so why stay here? Why do you stay here? I love that I can live in a city that's as cosmopolitan as Minneapolis, St. Paul, um, you know, with ethnic restaurants, with good bookstores, with art galleries, with just, you know, street life and interesting people. And, and, uh, and yet I can hop on my bike and I can be out you know, sometimes within five or ten minutes, be someplace where I feel like I'm out in the woods. So I really like having that balance of having easy access to nature and then, and then having all kind of the, what I call the urbane, you know, the urbane qualities. So to use a little bit of a social science word, we're a polycentric city. You know, it's not like everything's happening downtown in the city. We have two downtowns to begin with, and then you, the U kind of is actually a third downtown. And for better or worse, the model of America is probably a fourth. I mean, so, but that's France, Berlin. Those are also polycentric cities. So I think that, you know, uh, someone that flies in for a quick trip and spends time in downtown Minneapolis doesn't really get the full picture of what it's like here. I mean, you really kind of get out in the neighborhoods. You know, I keep showing up to places. I don't even know where I am half the time. I'm like, well, this is a new place. I don't know how I'm going to ever find it again. When I meet people here, it's almost like they want to extend who you are. For example, I would go into like a bookstore or an antique store and I'd be talking to someone and they find out that, oh, I like to cook. All of a sudden, you know, this lady I just met is taking me upstairs to her art studio and is like, look at my space. If you want to use it and cook here and bring people over, you know, you can come hang out. And I'm like, what? What issues do we have? A couple of things, you know, obviously we have a huge opportunity gap in this city. People of color are worse off than white people, you know, uh, here in the Twin Cities, and that's just a fact of life that we have to take very seriously, you know, and uh, not beat ourselves up about it, but let's just do something about it instead. We're behind the curve on a lot of things compared to other cities. Uh, rail transit being one of them, I mean, I can't believe we're having the debates we're having about um, you know, whether we should extend the Green Line. You know, I, a lot of people choose a city on the basis of does it, does, it, what, does it have good transportation options beyond the car. We need a major, major boost to street life in this city. We do really good job with biking. I think we don't do nearly as good a job with, with pedestrians. You know, making places more walkable 
making places just a little more interesting on the street. I think that's really important because in the end, that's what excites you or doesn't excite you about a city. When you're just walking down the street and if you kind of feel like there's anything that's going on or you just want to say, God, I just can't wait to wait to get to my destination. Uh, you said what we need is not a slick PR campaign, but a new consciousness throughout the community about the necessity of creating a stronger narrative about Minneapolis-St. Paul. What does that look like? Well, you know, it's not making stuff up. It's sort of taking what's here and just, um, you know, telling it in a vivid, imaginable way that excites people. You know, this, it isn't the 50s, it's not the 70s, it's not the 90s anymore. Uh, having a good place to park is not the thing that makes people the most happy in the world. You know, and I, th I think we have, are failing a little bit on that. I mean, I think, sure, we'll put in some light rail transit or something like that, but we still presume that all trips begin with the turn of an ignition. And that's not true for poor people. It's not true for urban people. It's not true for young people. And so I think we need to kind of shake off a little bit of the sort of suburban sensibility that's characterized this place and really proudly say we're a city. Deep North is not a slick PR campaign. It's an opportunity to gain an authentic perspective on MSP's creative environment, from street theater to fine art, ramen to injera, maple forests to grass that grows right up to the road, the North indeed extends much deeper than commonly known. For the next eight weeks, I, with the occasional help from Alex, will be speaking with the people and going to the places that represent the culture of the city. Subscribe on iTunes or the Stitcher app, and a new story will arrive on your device each week. Music by Minnesota artist Zach Baldich and Enjoy the Cat. Links to them and Jay Walgesper are in the show notes. Interested in partnering with Deep North? Email deepnorthpodcast at gmail.com. Deep North is reaching more ears thanks to TC Agenda, MSP's source for events, breaking news, and all things that make the Twin Cities the best place on Earth. More at tcagenda.com. And in collaboration with streets.mm, dedicated to a public better informed and engaged on transportation and land use issues, Read more at streets.mn.